the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon to you, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live for hour two of our Wednesday edition of our great program. It's great to be with you. I am Scott Furrow, testing positive as your host. And it is always fun to be with you, to get to know you a little bit better, to get to know your thoughts on different things. We just had a really good first hour of the program talking about... uh, um, what might be too old, we're not going to re- rehash that, but uh, what might be too old to serve in politics or serve in certain roles, you can get that on the podcast of this program if you go to kkla.com uh, and uh, check out the, the Southern California Live page on there. You can always get that. But I missed a, an opportunity to play a clip for some technical reasons, uh, and I don't want to miss this because it's like the, one of the best political clips ever with regards to age. Go ahead, Wilbert. Oh, the Reagan one. President in history, and some of your staff say you were tired after your most recent encounter with Mr. Mr. Uh, Mondale. Um, I recall yet that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuba Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Not at all. Mr. Truett and I, and I want you to know that also, I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit, for political purposes, my opponent's youth and inexperience. That is uh, that is one of the greatest lines ever in a uh, in a political campaign. Uh, Reagan, of course, was uh, he was about seventy three during that campaign. I uh, was going to turn 74. I got to meet Ronald Reagan in 1990. So he was out of office two years at that point. Uh, and he was pretty fine. He was fine. About four years later is when he uh, told everybody he had the Alzheimer's disease and uh, dropped off the scene uh, until his death uh, a few years later. Welcome to Southern California Live again. This is Scott Furrow. The number here, if you want to join our conversation, is 888 LA Talks, 888 528 2557. That's 888 528 2557. If you're not driving, but you're sitting and you're listening, looking at your phone, put that right in your phone, your contacts right now, 888 528 2557 for Southern California Live. That way you're always ready if you want to join our conversation. We're ready to go. And uh, it's a beautiful day in Southern California, and I want to go through some of the things on the in the news a little bit today. You can join our conversation, but you know one of the things that's brewing out there is uh, what's happening in uh, Ukraine. A lot of debate and debate from weird sides about whether or not Russia is getting ready to invade uh, Ukraine, and will it be a full blown invasion or just an incursion? Uh, President Biden. Uh, authorized 8,500 troops yesterday to get ready, not really to go, but to get ready to go. NATO is uh, involving a lot of weaponry and ships uh, in getting prepared. There are about 150,000 Russian troops massing on the border, which seems like it's significant to the people of Ukraine and the people of Europe. Uh, It's very interesting to see and watch um, this many years after war in Europe, uh, how many of those concerns and things uh, still come up because of what's going on over there. And uh, 
it's another reason that we need to be praying for our leaders right now. We need to be praying because this, you know, a war in Europe, um, which could potentially be followed by some conflict of one way or another with with China. Should China decide to go in Taiwan, that's being threatened. Uh, Kim Jong-un in North Korea is uh, shooting off missiles again, and uh, uh, he's lost a lot of weight, though. Did you see that? He ought to be sharing that with the world. But uh, instead, he's shooting off some missiles and uh, how he's doing that. And uh, there's different controversies going on with all of this, with uh, our involvement, uh, with the, the president Biden a couple of days ago in the press conference that he was in for two hours. He did a two-hour-long press conference. No president should be there for two hours. I mean, Trump used to do that, uh, but he'd eventually be talking about Trump stakes or something completely unrelated. And the, uh, you know, the news would stay with him because of the ratings and the commercial income that they were getting. Um, President Biden's people had to be in the background trying to get him to stop. But uh, he was out there answering questions and he kind of he didn't phrase it too well when he talked about this. And he said, well, you know, if they have a little incursion, they'll into Ukraine, there'll be some sanctions, which is not what you say. That's probably what was on the whiteboard in the national security meeting. But you really shouldn't say it. They had to sort of restate that. And now we're getting uh, troops warmed up in the bullpen. And if you are a military family, uh, it affects you right now. Eighty five hundred. That's a lot. And that will probably grow. And that, of course, is just people who might be ready to deploy. That doesn't include all of the support, um, both uh, enlisted and uh, civilian support that this uh, affects uh, in great many ways. It's a significant thing. And you know, one of the, the interesting questions about it, just to watch, is uh, what Germany is going to do. Because one of the issues is, is Germany gets a lot of energy from Russia in a pipeline deal that they have. And uh, they haven't come across too well, actually. And it reminded me of something, uh, something funny. I want to share it with you. The late Norm MacDonald, uh, he had a, uh, a clip about this um, where he talked about uh, Germany. Play the uh, Norm MacDonald uh, clip. Wilbur, are you with me there? Maybe Just I give me my gun. Sorry. The oh, that's not the right one. Hold on, hold on. Five days. Sorry, I should have told you a number. I think it's a uh, number of th- three. There is one country that worries me, though. Not Iraq, not Iran, not North Korea. The only country that really worries me is uh, the country of Germany. I don't know if you guys are history buffs or not, but... Uh... <laughs> In the early uh, part of the previous century, Germany decided to go to war. And uh, who did they go to war with? The world. (laughs) That had never been tried before. And uh, so you figure that would take about five seconds for the world to win. But uh, no, it was actually close. pass, and uh, Germany decides again to go to war, and again, it chooses as its enemy, the world. (laughs) And this time they have that guy, shrankly, crankly, that guy, and I'm not even going to dignify him by saying his name, but I think you know what I'm talking (laughs) But you'd think at that point the world will go, listen, Germany. Here's the deal. You don't get to be a country no more on account of you keep attacking the world. I mean, what do you... 
What are you, you're Mars or something? <laughs> that is hilarious. That whole thing, when you think about it, uh, and Norm MacDonald just had this delivery with all of that. And I thought about that because uh, the German government uh, has not been cooperating as well with uh, the rest of the allies uh, with what's going on in Ukraine. According to the New York Times, the German government's not only ruled out arms exports, we're even sending arms and and munitions and things, uh, it's holding up a shipment of nine communist-era howitzers from Estonia to Ukraine. Uh, Apparently there's some old weaponry going around, and they're they're holding up some shipments, you know, and it's been unsettling to the people of Ukraine and uh, some of Germany's eastern neighbors. Uh, The Ukrainian foreign minister, uh, Dmitry Kuliba, accused Berlin of encouraging Russian aggression. And uh, Andy, uh, Andriy Melnik of Ukraine's ambassador to Germany, he said, this patronizing attitude subconsciously also reminds Ukrainians of the horrors of Nazi occupation when Ukrainians were treated as subhuman. Uh, This is a big deal. My friends, I I know that uh, some people out there, Tucker Carlson, he doesn't think this is a big deal. Uh, There's people on the left and right who are taking very interesting positions on whether or not this is a big deal. Um, My opinion is it's a pretty big deal. Like whatever's happening over there, it's going to cause, even if Putin does nothing, uh, putting all those troops in there destabilizes the entire region and it will destabilize economies and it will affect us. It means we're going to put troops or or missiles or other things into countries like Poland, maybe Ukraine, other countries in that era. And it's reminding people of the not really too long ago Nazi occupation. I mean, that seems like that's forever ago. If you're a younger person, that's just the history books, right? That seems like, gosh, that was forever ago. Um, but in the, as a matter of, of history and the memory of history, uh, it's not that long ago. Uh, the Berlin Wall, Ber- Germany was separated into two countries, East and West Germany, uh, for a long time until, uh, what, 1992. I think the uh, Berlin Wall fell or 1991. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to uh, East Berlin and when it was still a communist nation. And I was in high school. I got to go over there on a it was a it was a busted church mission trip by busted. What I mean is we really didn't do any church missions. And uh, it's a long story. Youth director got fired, but I got two and a half weeks for free in Europe. That was fun. Um, and uh, we go over there, and part of the trip we got to, we we went cheaper over there on some educational tours. So we got to go on a bus through Checkpoint Charlie, if you're familiar with that, into East Berlin. And uh, But you get a brand new tour guide, and this is the way it works in countries like this. And we should be aware of this. I think that's something that if you are a person out there who – came from a uh, Soviet bloc country, or you came from one of these uh, European or elsewhere communist countries, we need you to put your story out there on video before you are too old to tell it. Uh, Our generation needs to be reminded of what happens. Uh, You can join our conversation. You can tell your story if you got one. My number here at Southern California Live is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. This is the Southern California Live program. I'm Scott Furrow. So I went into East Berlin in a bus, and they gave us a brand-new tour director, so not our usual guy in West Berlin, uh, who was going to sing all the praises of what's going on in East Berlin. And this was 1988, I want to say. And I remember some things about it. The first thing I remember is you cross the border and immediately how dark and sad it was. It was 
distinct. It was noticeable. It was not something that uh, you can forget. And this tour guide was, this was during the Gorbachev era. If you're familiar with history, uh, President Gorbachev came into power in the Soviet Union, former, which is Russia now, okay, former Soviet Union then. And uh, Gorbachev uh, had these policies of, to try to modernize the Soviet bloc countries, uh, Eastern bloc countries. And I was amazed that in East Berlin, there were still piles of rubble from World War II that had never been cleaned up 40 years later. There were the tour guide told us that he even bragged about the fact that there were 10, 10, count them, 10 building projects going on in East Berlin. And they were the biggest 10 since the end of the war, 40 years before that. That's how uh, this system works, by the way, the communist system. If you're kind of getting on board with that kind of thinking, uh, think about what would happen in your town if nobody built anything and there were just piles of garbage and rubble that just nobody ever did anything about because there's not enough workers and not enough motivated people. And we went to some of these building projects and large buildings with maybe 10 people working there doing construction. And I'll never forget how they looked. They looked sad. They, they, it's just something that's hard to imagine, this kind of government oppression and what it meant. And this is what they're bragging about. Then they took us to this uh, Western touristy area where we got some ice cream and other things. And me and my friends, Jason and Mike, we decided to leave the group and uh, wander off alone into East Berlin. Um, speaking of age, uh, that was a dumb thing for us to do, but we were 16. And uh, so we wandered off and we went to another ice cream store and we walked up. They literally shut the blinds right in front of us. They had these shutters in the outside, you know, they slammed, crash. And every store we walked up to, the people inside walked up and locked it and wouldn't let us in there. And they were terrified. And uh, we stood on the bank of some river and just kind of got our act together and went back to the group. Somehow we never got caught. And uh, we'd found some coins on the ground. I still have them, East German money. I don't think it's worth anything. But we, we snuck it out of the country because on the way out of the country, you know, some guy with a machine gun gets and interrogates you about what you might be taking out of the country. Also stupid 16-year-old, I've got like an East German, you know, dollar in my sock. Uh, and he goes, do you have any money? Nope, I don't have any money. Uh, I did, I lied. Uh, and I got out of there. I'll never forget it. And it was a short time after... President Reagan had given a famous speech uh, where he was outside the Berlin Wall, and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It was a famous speech, and it was part of the West German tour. There's a statue of Reagan over there now uh, because of that speech, and a couple years later, sure enough, the wall came down, and that was very emotional if you've been over there to, to see that, um, to see those people flood out of East Germany into the West, just it was unbelievable. It was such a happy occasion, such a great thing. This is what happens when government gets to be too much. And I'll tell you what, I'm just going to tell you this, and this is just me speaking here, but it's, it's an experience that I think I should share. That feeling I had when I was watching those workers in East Berlin, and I could sense that there was no enthusiasm, no real excitement, for what was going on, the fear of people shutting their blinds and all of that when uh, the American kids walked over there. I have not sensed that in my life until during the shutdown in our country when I went out to a couple of places and it was just isolated. Christy and I were given a, an overnight stay at a, at a hotel in town 
And the hotel was open and we had a good time, but it was very short staffed. There was nobody in the lobby. There was no hustle and bustle. You know, everybody's got the masks and they got the, the plexiglass up and it was depressing. We could not enjoy the outside of the hotel because it just wasn't, it had no energy. And that's the same. And I'm telling you this for a couple of reasons. When we're looking at what's going on in the world today, it matters. And a whole lot of the notions that we have of government control and bigger government and what that means, we we need to look back and look at history and ask ourselves, when has that ever worked? And we need to stop with the whole notion, well, they just did it wrong. Right, Stalin did it wrong and Lenin did it wrong and Gorbachev did it wrong and uh, all those Eastern Bloc countries did it wrong. Ceausescu did it wrong. Just go down the list. They all did it wrong. Well, they did, they did it wrong. That was back then. All right, well, they did it wrong in Venezuela recently, too, and they've done it wrong in Honduras, and they've done it wrong in all these other countries, and we're doing it wrong. You want to know why there's so many problems uh, right now in our country? Uh, a lot of it's government. Government is trying to solve problems that government started. And I'm not trying to be left and right about this because the Republicans and the Democrats are both adding to government. They've been doing that for years, uh, for decades. Please understand that we need to hear your stories. The second reason is I'm going to share that because I had that feeling, and I think we just need to be aware of this. And if you're somebody who was alive during that era, we need to hear your stories. Young people need to hear the stories of of horror that you went through in your country, how great it was for you to escape and come to the United States. And saying that, you're not saying that everything is perfect here or that everything is great here, but you are somebody who has personal experience in a system that doesn't work too well. And we forget this. You know, there's another quote, as I think about what's going on with Russia and uh, right now, um, President uh, Obama during the 2012 debate with Mitt Romney made a a joke. It was pretty funny at the time, Um, but it's an interesting uh, thing that he said to Romney, which is not holding up very well. Go to clip number two, Wilbert. Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that al-Qaeda is a threat, because a few months ago, when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia. Not al-Qaeda, you said Russia. In the 1980s, are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back, because you know, the Cold War has been over for 20 years. But, Governor, you know, when it comes to our foreign policy, you seem to want to import the foreign policies of the 1980s, just like the social policies of the 1950s, and the economic policies of the 1920s. So there you go. That didn't hold up too well, did it? Because it turns out that uh, Russia has probably been uh, a big part of our geopolitical problem for a long time, and they might be starting a, a war again. Don't doubt me. This is a big deal. Whether they invade or not, it is going to change the conversation. It's going to change our relationship with NATO. It's going to change our relationship with our allies, which we're struggling uh, with and you know both left and right have kind of ignored this uh, for a while, as it leads you to pray, believers, you know, pray for the wisdom of our leaders around the world as we deal with this. You know, we have been mired in war for a long time. Somebody said to me, and maybe he was right, that part of the reason that President Biden took us out of Afghanistan uh, in such really an awful way, where we just left right and just got out of there, it's. Somebody suggested it's because he thinks we're going to need our people back here and not be distracted over there for the war that's coming in Europe. 
or maybe in Asia or other places. Don't believe that we live in a world that is not going to start shooting each other for uh, the sake of energy, for the sake of wealth. Uh, why is that happening? Because Russia's in trouble. Russia's a dying country. You can understand uh, Putin's need for a port in uh, Crimea or Ukraine and these areas. Um, Russians are not having enough kids to maintain the whole country. Studies suggest that Russia will have to sell sell the eastern part of the country, the land, because they can't control it. And they're going to have to sell it maybe by 2035 or 2040. Did you know that? Same reason they sold us Alaska. They might have to sell the rest of it. Who's going to buy it? Uh, somebody's going to buy it, probably China, because China could use it. And they could probably manage it. This is the world we live in. This is this is real world. And I'm not saying this to scare you or to give you something else to be afraid of. I'm giving you this because when we take a look at the geopolitical world, God is doing things, and we are headed towards situations that will lead us ultimately to the return of Christ and ultimately to the world being in a certain situation uh, that has to make a decision about whether to support Israel or not, where the world will be in a situation where there will be so much distrust and damage and war that we're going to be looking for heroes, and we're not looking for Christ in the world. Uh, we're going to be looking elsewhere, and uh, it's dangerous, whether this is end times or not. History tells us that uh, freedom is something that preserves people's dignity and people's rights. It preserves economies. It preserves people. It allows us to help people get out of poverty, and uh, I think it's in jeopardy, maybe for some reasons that uh, we're not talking about as much. It's there. All right, that's just a little ferocious commentary I wanted to give you today. Uh, but it's right there on the news. You're listening to Southern California Live. You can join our conversation by calling 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back on the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. You can join our conversation at 888-528-2557. Good to be with you this Wednesday afternoon. We're taking a look at the news and reflecting on a few different things that are out there in today's today's stories. Uh, you might have read, I don't know what to do about this really, but uh, the controversy about Disney making a uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves movie. Uh, you ever watch the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? I, I forced my kids to watch that uh, a while ago. Um, you know, very interesting for 1930s movie, uh, the technology and stuff behind it. Um, but Disney is, one of the things they're doing is they're making the live-action versions of their old cartoons. Do you like this? Have you seen some of these that you liked? You know, I thought Aladdin was pretty good. I might be a little partial to the cartoon, but it was all right. Uh, Jungle Book was pretty good. Uh, I never saw the Beauty and the Beast one. Uh, people seem to like that. I think there's been some others that uh, I haven't seen. My boys aren't quite into that, and I understand that. Um, <clears throat> Jungle Book, I think, is my favorite movie, one of them, from Disney, uh, mostly because of those songs, uh, which I will not sing for you now, as tempted as I am. Uh, Snow White, it uh, drew the ire of 
uh, Hollywood actor about the idea about um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves being not very modern way to tell the story. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I guess that's true. I, I, I'm not saying it's true or I agree with it, I guess, but Peter uh, Dinklage, who's a uh, an actor um, who I'm not even sure what the, the correct term is. Uh, the dwarfism community is, I guess, what uh, members of our community have. We change these terms so often. I don't, want, I don't mean to offend, but I just don't know, you know what to say. But he didn't like the idea of uh, a live-action dwarf movie. And uh, I guess I understand that, <clears throat> um, why you might say that. He said this, after noting the casting of, uh, this is according to The Hollywood Reporter, noting the casting of West Side Story breakout uh, Rachel Ziegler, uh, Dinklage told uh, the reporter, literally no offense to anyone, but I was a little taken aback when they were very proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White. But you're telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Take a step back and look at what you're doing there. It makes no sense to me. You're progressive in one one way, but then you're still making that story about seven dwarves living in a cave together. What are you doing, man? I, have I done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox? I guess I'm not loud enough. Uh, he's not involved with the Disney project. So, uh, you know, my first thought was, I think the dwarves lived in a house, not a cave. I think they worked in a cave. Isn't that how it worked in that story? Am I right about that? Have you ever read the actual fairy tale, by the way? You ever read the the grim fairy tales? Grim's the name of the author, but they're grim. They're dark. It's uh, it's not a, a happy story, Snow White. I'm, I'm forgetting all the details because I had to rewrite it in college. I did this whole rewrite of Snow White, uh, and I sort of modernized it, and I turned all the dwarves into uh, society's ills, you know, so there was, you know, drunky and lazy and, you know, whatever uh, vices people had. Um, that's what they did. And they all died. I had them all die in it. Um, but that's closer to what the actual Snow White is about. Uh, Peter Pan. Oh, my gosh. It's super violence, like Lord of the Flies. Anyway, so the Disney version, of course, doesn't have that. Um, and uh, so I th- in the Disney version, anyway, they, they live in a house, not a cave. They work in a cave. But Disney responded this way with this quote, to avoid reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. We look forward to sharing more as the film heads into production after a lengthy development period, a Disney spokesperson person told The Hollywood Reporter. You know, what does that even mean? I, are, are you not allowed... It is, I guess maybe the story is offensive, but is it, is it offensive? Help me out with that. You know, how, I, if you feel like it is, it is. And how are you going to change it? If it's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, everybody knows that. If you're going to do the story, it's going to be Snow White and, and who? Are they going to be giants? Maybe they're going to be uh, you know, just different people with different backgrounds, sort of like the way I wrote my, my story, right? You're going to have somebody, one of the dwarves will be, you know, uh, nine feet tall. One of them is going to have, you know, some kind of uh, childhood disease. Another one's going to um, be a trans athlete who's uh, winning all the swimming events at Snow White's alma mater. Um, you know, is that how that's going to play out? I don't know what you mean. How are we, we're going to just politically correct everything to death. Um, and maybe we need to, right? Maybe, you know, you can call me if, uh, I'd love to hear a perspective on this. I just haven't thought about it. 888 Meanwhile, baseball is still on strike, and one of the issues is a protest about the Minnesota Twins from a bunch of identical twins who are offended because there's actually only one team in one city, and there's not two teams in two cities. 
I just made that up, but uh, I've always thought, you know, that's kind of funny. Are there a bunch of angry twins because of the Minnesota twins out there? What about triplets? Maybe the triplets feel like, you know what, um, we should have we should have a triplets team, you know, somewhere in the Tri-City area, wherever you have a Tri-City area. I don't know. Am I pushing that envelope too far? I'm just in that kind of mood. City of Los Angeles, uh, no, oil, no oil and gas drilling. They want to be carbon-free by 2035. Uh, and they want to have uh, citywide charging facilities everywhere for our cars. So apparently the idea is that we will not be able to um, have oil or gas extraction in the Southland. And there is actually a lot of it in Southern California. Um, and But that's going to be gone. And maybe by 2035, we'll all have electric cars. Do you think that's going to happen? Are we all going to have electric? There's an awful lot of Teslas out there. I don't see a lot of other electric cars, a lot of hybrids. I see a lot of Prius uh, and some other brands of, of hybrids. Do you have, uh, is this coming? I think the Chevy Volt, you can't even sell it now. There's something like it blows up or something. Um, maybe it doesn't blow up. Maybe they just can't get the chip because of uh, what's going on with with all of that. Are we really going to do that? Here's the thing that I think is uh, kind of bugs me about it, though. We in California like to talk about being green. And in many ways, we can promote ourselves as the most green state when it comes to a lot of these things. And we take these steps right here in Los Angeles uh, to send a message, uh, according to NBC, that we're sending a clear message to big oil uh, and all of this. And you know what that message is that we're sending to big oil? Here's what it is. Ready? And this is with electric cars, and it's also with just electricity in our state. The message we're sending to big oil is don't dig for oil or process it in California. Do it in Colorado, and we'll buy it from you there because that's what we're doing. We're just shifting where it comes from, but we're not really shifting using it. Maybe we'll kind of get more, you know, more electric cars, but how are we, you know, making that electricity? Colorado still uses coal. The the electricity that we're buying from Colorado is coal. So when you charge your your Tesla at the new city uh, thing, you are it's a coal it's a coal powered car. That's really true. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's a, it's just this thing that we kind of do to promote ourselves in this state as a certain way. And don't get me wrong. I think we need to pay a lot of attention to the environment. I think there's a, there's a biblical sense of taking care of the environment. I think, frankly, that uh, we should make a lot more strides and spend a lot more money on recycling um, and, and like real recycling, not this aspirational recycling. The New York Times calls it aspirational recycling. That's what we're doing in California when we are dividing up all of our stuff, which now we, we got a couple of years, right? But you're going to have to develop your recycling in different ways, to, to store it in different ways. Um, and uh, <clears throat> you're going to have to scrape off your, like, your leftover food. I guess they don't want you even to put it in the garbage disposal. I need to look this up. I haven't. I've got somebody just like really after me to make sure that we're doing this right at church. I think we got a couple of years to do this right. But the whole thing is kind of aspirational. Aspirational recycling is that you think you're recycling, and so you recycle your plastic and your glass in different containers, and then they come and take it in different trucks. But wherever it ends up, it's going into the same hole in the ground, okay? You ever go into Costco, and they've got the uh, three things. So they've got the the trash cans right by the samples. I'm very familiar with this area because the samples are my favorite part of Costco. Um, And I get in trouble because, uh, you know, I go to Costco and then I come home and my wife looks at me, Christy, and she'll always say, uh, she'll start unloading the stuff and she'll go, was this on the list? 
And it's like, no, that was not on the list, but it was, they did have a sample and the sample was good. And the lady got me. I had a lady, I'm not kidding you. She told me I look like Brad Pitt. That's what she said. Are you Brad Pitt? And she meant it. So she said, you would not believe how many vats of hummus I bought from that person. She sold all the hummus to me. I came home with vats of hummus, all these different flavors, uh, which we couldn't eat at all. And a weird thing about it is it always tastes better in the store, but it really tastes better when uh, the lady thinks you're Brad Pitt. She wasn't flirting with me. She was like 90, and uh, she might have thought I was Brad Pitt. Uh, I think she was just, I think she was conning me is what she was doing. What was I talking about? Oh, so next to the sample thing, you got this trash can, and it's divided into three areas. Trash is one. Okay. Then you have recyclables. And then you have food. So what you're supposed to do is scrape the, the – if you don't like your hummus, you scrape it into the food section. And then you take the little plastic you know, cup and put it into the recycle section or the trash section if you feel like it's not recyclable. And I can – I've noticed many times there's one bag in there. you got three slots and it all goes into the one bag. I don't think that's how it's designed. I think they just run out of bags sometimes. But, but aspirational recycling is the idea that you recycle, that you're putting the stuff out at the curb and they take it away. And then we used to give it to China, and they were supposed to be recycling it, but apparently they don't anymore. They just throw it in the ocean or they throw it in the same hole. And so we're not recycling. We think we're recycling, but we're not. We think that we're a green state because we're getting rid of all the oil and gas, but we're just buying it from Colorado. It's the same thing. We're not really doing it. This isn't real, my friends. I think something that we need to be aware of is the the phoniness of just this perspective you know, this perception that we want to have about ourselves. I think that environmentally we should get on the ball with recycling for real. Did you know? I'm going to have to look this up, but this is, this is what I understand. We don't recycle styrofoam, but actually there's only like two styrofoam recycling plants in California, but actually styrofoam is cleaner than the plastic. But we're getting rid of the styrofoam because we don't have the recycling things, but actually as far as green energy and greenhouse gases and all those things combined, it's actually better for the environment to recycle the styrofoam. Google it. I promise you're going to find that's true. Aspirational recycling. We aspire to be recyclers, but we're not. We are aspiring to be free of oil and gas uh, in our state, but we're just buying it from other states. That's what we're doing. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. You can join my rant or conversation at 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities or Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Wherever, wherever I, I wander, wherever, wherever I'm wrong, I couldn't be found. From my big home. I can't remember the words, but I sing this song to my kids. It's my favorite song, this song. Well, I don't know. King Louie might be better. I sing it to my kids when they refuse to get up in the morning for school. I take those covers off. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. See, we can do it. Hey, uh, Sun California Live. If you want to join our conversation today, 888-528-2557. Going through some stories in the news. Uh, an update on a story that I mentioned briefly yesterday. 
the uh, CDC monkeys. Are you familiar with the CDC monkeys story? This happened over the weekend, apparently, but it really became news yesterday. A truck carrying 100 monkeys to the CDC that are infected with something that they won't say got in a car accident. Uh, and um, they said originally that four of the monkeys got out, and they put out these uh, bulletins that you need to be aware that there are monkeys ro- roaming around the neighborhood somewhere in Pennsylvania. Um, don't come up to them. Don't talk to the monkeys uh, because you might catch something. They didn't say what the something was. But apparently uh, there were only three now, and they said they've got all of them and they've euthanized them. But one of the – and the woman who uh, got in contact with the, one of the monkeys – uh, she came to help the car accident, and she thought it was cats, but it turned out to be monkeys. And uh, she says that she's got some symptoms now, and they're like COVID symptoms, but she doesn't know if she got it from the monkey or if she got it just because we're all getting the, the uh, COVID right now. Um, so that's that's it uh, to that story. I just kind of want to know, you know, 100 monkeys infected with something headed over to the CDC for whatever they do with their test monkeys. That's just there's nothing good about the story, but there's a movie here, right? Uh, there is this. It seems like it's it's just a conspiracy theory, but it's it's so real that I went on to Twitter and the conspiracy theory people don't even know what to do with it because they can't handle it that it's for real. This this happened, you know. What is it? I don't know, but uh, you know, a few months if we have the uh, the some kind of a monkey virus going on, it's the uh, we've gone from Omicron to uh, to monkey. Uh, and that's what we're going to have. I don't know. Um, that's going on. Anyway, you should be safe. That really is my point, that there is not, according now to the multiple federal agencies who are hunting down these monkeys, there are no monkeys roaming around uh, hiding in Amish communities or anywhere else, uh, so you don't have to worry about that. But still, if you come into contact with a roaming monkey, uh, don't come near it. Just call the authorities, and they'll we'll take care of it. That sounds fine. doesn't sound like anything's wrong to me. Everything, what could go wrong with this? Um, in, uh, in San Jose, they uh, are trying to deal with gun violence, as we are down here. And we talked about this uh, recently. And, you know, there's not really a lot of good answers. And part of it is because we don't want to deal with the sinfulness of mankind. We don't want to deal with the core issues. And, yes, there are probably some really good things that we could do with gun control and some other things. You know, I think I think a waiting period is pretty good. One of my favorite Simpsons lines uh, is about Homer Simpson. He goes out to buy a gun because he's mad, and this is how it goes. Clip one. Just give me my gun. Sorry, the law requires a five-day waiting period. We've got to run a background check. Five days? But I'm mad now. Yeah. I'd kill you if I had my gun. Yeah, well, you don't. Five days, but I'm mad now. That's one of my favorite lines. It's a brilliant line. But that's why you have that kind of stuff, right? And uh, what San Jose wants you to do is if you're a gun owner, that you need to, you'll be forced to buy liability insurance. Uh, and then the money that you're paying to that liability insurance will go into some uh, not yet created, I guess, nonprofit that will help somehow with gun violence. Uh, I'm not really sure that's going to work. I'm not sure that you can force people to buy insurance to cover them for a constitutional right. I think that's what the courts, even liberal courts, I think that's what they're going to say. Yeah, you can't do that. And I'm not really sure that's, you know, that's going to work. I don't think money, just throwing at money at all these problems is the problem. We have to deal with what is at the core of why people do violent things. 
Uh, and I've been talking about a lot of different things this this hour in the news. Uh, and I want to let you know, uh, just to follow up on a local story here in Los Angeles, a story that I think is important that we we track. You know, we've had these uh, random, sometimes random shooting deaths, but we've also had some sad deaths of of young people um, recently in our town. And uh, one of those is Tioni Theus, who uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, if you remember the story, and it's in the news today again, that's what I wanted to bring up. Um, her body was found on the side of the freeway. She's 16 years old, and she was shot, and uh, her body was left in near the Manchester off-ramp uh, by the 110 in South L.A. Uh, she was found January 8th. Um, there is the city council, the, or the county board of supervisors and the L.A. city council together are considering a combined $60,000 reward for information to find the ki- her killer. And I think that's good. What I think is it's not enough. And just something, you know, I'm glad that we're, we're putting that out there. Um, and I think it's important that we are taking a look at this. Uh, a $250,000 reward was offered for uh, Brianna Kupfer's killer. And uh, she uh, was recently murdered. You know that story also. Um, and uh, her killer was caught. Um, but I think that, uh, his, that probably he was working on his own. Uh, and this case, some people say with, uh, Tioni was potentially, uh, human trafficking related, which really is organized crime. Uh, it's more than one person. Uh, now it may not be that. I don't know that we know. Um, I think that this is something that we should watch and that we want to pray for her and her her family and pray for those who are involved here because if it is something more organized, then there's a lot of other people involved. There's going to be a lot of other uh, tragic stories of uh, these young women who get into these situations most of the time just very, very innocently. I know of a case where the guy got caught right before um, the the woman would have disappeared. She was 16, and he got caught with her on a date at Magic Mountain. And uh, the police were on to him, and uh, he got caught because even even security at Magic Mountain got alerted to him because he was doing some illegal things. Like I say, he even parked illegally or something in there. But what she didn't know was that he wasn't just some boyfriend that she had met. Uh, and he was a nice guy, good-looking guy, and you never would have known that he had terrible evil intent and that if the police would not have caught him uh, during their time at Magic Mountain, she would have been gone uh, into that uh, trafficking lifestyle. This is going on in California in huge numbers. Did you know this? Um, both in L.A. and San Diego, it's really big, and it's one of the issues with um, people who are undocumented immigrants coming over the border. You know, one of the there's so many issues related to immigration. One of them that we don't talk about is how much trafficking is going on with these people. Uh, one of the reasons for controlling the borders that is compassionate, a compassionate, real good reason to control the border is human trafficking. It's a mess, and it isn't just sex trafficking. It's forced labor. There's a whole lot of other things that are that are going on um, with people who don't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. Uh, it's a big part of um, our state and one of the biggest crimes and one of the tragic things that is going on. Would you just keep this in mind? And if you have any influence at all, 
Uh, maybe you have money where you can help offer a reward or do a matching gift or do something that would really help uh, um, in this situation. I think that it matters. It matters for our whole community. It certainly matters uh, for Tioni and uh, her family and community. Um, and uh, to not let these stories just go away, that if there is a way to add to that $60,000, I'm glad they're doing it. Like I said, I don't think it's enough um, to bring somebody out. Maybe it is. Hopefully it is, but I don't think it's enough. This is an important story, and these things, I think, as believers are ways that we can pray for each other. If you happen to know her or her family, uh, there are ways that you can personally reach out and comfort, and we're told in the Scriptures to mourn with those who mourn, Uh, and we have to mourn uh, this terrible thing, Uh, along with the other families that, uh, you know, we've just been seeing this more and more often in our cities uh, and it's just terribly sad, and it's senseless, and it's cruel, um, and it's not getting better. Uh, would you think about those things and pray? And uh, maybe we'll just close out. I'll just pray for a minute uh, about that because it's. Uh, I think it's something that we can do right now. All right, God, thank you for uh, being with us on our show today. And uh, God, we're looking for justice for uh, Tioni and uh, her family, and uh, even for others who. Uh, just have been senselessly murdered. And this is increasing in our, our town, Lord. Lead us to know how to, how to stop it, how to be more engaged with these, these problems. We pray for the repentance and the uh, turning themselves in of people who are in this lifestyle, of people who are doing this violence. We pray that they get caught. We pray that this would stop, that we would see this turnaround. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You know, we as a family of believers here on uh, this station, you know, we get to consider those things together. And, you know, this show, the station, KKLA, KPRZ, we're not a church, but we represent a big part of the church, um, all of our listeners. And it's a pleasure to be part of your day and your afternoon. I want to thank you for listening and uh, being part of our program and uh, having some fun with me today and also taking some things very seriously. I want to encourage you to go back to your churches and pray at your prayer meetings for these things. And uh, if you're close in these situations to to be involved, ask God to open up a door for you to be involved somehow that way. All right. Uh, I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back uh, on uh, with Big Wave Dave next week for a couple of days. Looking forward to to that. So I will see you then. If you want to get the podcast of this show, go to kkla.com, go to Southern California Live page, and you will find the podcast. It's usually uploaded within a couple of days if you missed anything in this hour or the last hour that you want. Also at kkla.com in Los Angeles and kprz.com in San Diego. Lots of other ways that you can connect with other believers right here in our town and uh, lots of different ways that, uh, lots of different programming, obviously, that uh, you're invited to listen to that is uplifting, that will help you throughout the day, that'll help you give perspective on what's really going on in the world and lots of opportunities to help you grow in your faith and meet other believers and be a part of that. So check out kkla.com or kprz.com in San Diego and uh, do that. My friends, thanks for being with me today. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. This program will be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.